Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. And so anyhow, I, you know, I just came home from work and just had a good day and everything was good to go. How are you doing, Gordon? I mean, Digitized hadn't talked in a while. I'm good. Holy crap. We started before the music. I'm a little confused. And joining us for our special guest tonight, Mr. Freddie Joe Farnsworth. You're confused, Gordon, because I noticed, you know, we've been doing this podcast since 2018 and you sent me a podcast link to the coffee, uh, Coffee or Die podcast? No, Black no, Rifle Black Coffee. Black Rifle Coffee co- podcast, yes. And I started that episode with Mike Rowe, and I noticed the trend, which I first noticed on the Joe Rogan podcast, and that is the warm open, <laughs> where you, you hit play, they play the theme song, and you feel like the conversation had been going on for 20 minutes before. So I figured since that's the way podcasts are going, the hell with our cold open, the hell with our intro of what what's up, what's up, OG5, welcome to another, no, nay, we want to be like everybody else, the mainstream. So from now on, we're just going to do the warm opens. We want our audience to feel like they're missing out on something. Well, well, the trick to that is we need to be talking, talking, Jesus mm. Christ, talking for 20 minutes, and mm-hmm. we'll use that for a Patreon exclusive and roll right into it. But have you noticed that? Have you noticed that, Freddie, at all? Oh, yeah. I watch Joe Rogan all the time. It's like mid-sentence, and you're like, oh, what did I miss? What did I yep. Do? And uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the Mike Rowe uh, interview on... See, the reason I'm stumbling on this is because Mike Rowe was on Adam Carolla today, and it was damn near the same interview, the same story coming up. But um, oh, yeah, yeah, I just I just noticed it. But um, now we've had Freddie on the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast, and um, if you guys want to hear his full backstory, please head over to WTSPWorldWar2.com and listen to that intro episode because I want to talk more to Freddie because he's, he's an entertaining, fantastic guy, and I don't want to... Spend the next 20 minutes rehashing something you can hear Stand over by. On, on the Stand What's by. Stand by. There appears to be audio difficulties through Facebook Live. Well, what else is new? Facebook Live's garbage. Everybody else can hear me. Yeah, we haven't done this for two weeks, so everything's... Well, I did a podcast last night, but hold on. I, I have an idea. Well, actually, this will work out better because now when the podcast audio comes out over Facebook... They will be joining us with a very, very warm open because they're not hearing any of this audio, and so they're just yeah, hearing they're... us talking. So they'll get the full effect here in a second. Well, Gordon, uh, just keep on rambling here while I, I figure out what's going on our audio. So uh, speaking of Facebook, apparently, apparently, I had a uh, post pulled down from 2019. Uh, that basically the reason it was pulled down is because, uh, you know, I may be having a bad time and, and some self-harm could be afoot. And just a description of the post, it was kind of a political post, and it was two guys holding a fork up to an electrical socket, <laughs> and the fork said um, socialism. And the gist of it was, uh, you know, keep trying to do the same thing over and over again you know and it doesn't work out well but apparently that was uh god i used the word again apparently that was a suicidal thought i don't know so, why you know i don't Interesting. actually I, I have a thought keep talking <laughs> I keep talking um actually you know what is interesting do I, it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh this thing is falling apart we apologize Started a new documentary before I came up today, and it's Val on um, Amazon Prime. It's about Val Kilmer. I don't yeah, know. Really 
Yeah, I don't know if you know what's going on with well, him. Well, here, let's he, do this. We're going to kill the podcast real quick. We're going to take a quick 30 off air so I can figure out what all the audio is because by the time we get this figured out, we'll be past that subject and our audience will be missing out. So, dear audience, I know you can't hear us, but I'm going to just kill this and uh, we will be right back. So, we are back and, um, you know, we're joking around about the warm open that you hear like on a all the, the big podcasts now and so... You guys missed the fun. We didn't come in with the intro music. We just went straight into it, and everybody was confused. And, I, and we were talking about how like the new trend in podcasts right now seems to be the warm open, where you, you bring the audience in, where you're halfway through with your conversation, and they really feel like they missed out on something. But joining us each week, as always, from Las Vegas, Nevada, Gordon Abernathy, and Freddie if I believe, if I remember correctly, you were out in northern-ish California? No, I, I, I used to live in, like, central California, but I lived down uh, 50 miles east of Los Angeles. Oh, you moved closer to... See, he lives east of Los Angeles. I now live in deep, deep, deep L.A. Deep east L.A. Yeah, that's it. Because everybody is moving, for some reason, to Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah, for the taxes. <laughs> Don't, just don't bring your laws and everything that fucked up your state with you. Oh, they will. Oh, they have. And actually, it's the big complaint now is why is everybody in Vegas so rude to us from California? Well, just take a look at yourselves. Well, you know, it's funny living in Florida back in the early 2000s. There's this trend amongst the, the relocated New Yorkers. They would be an asshole to you or just be kind of rude and obtuse. And then they'd say, hey, it's okay. I'm from New York. It's like, no. So you're from- a fucking asshole, right? But... Um, <laughs> As we were saying earlier, when you guys couldn't hear the audio, Freddie Joe Farnsworth is a stunt coordinator and actor who lives out in Hollywood. And if you want to hear an in-depth background story on how he got into the industry, head over to WTSPWorldWar2.com and you can hear our our inaugural interview with Freddie Joe. I don't want to go down that trail again, not because it's not a good story, but because he's such an interesting guy and has so many other stories that aren't based around World War II content that I want to bring him over here so we can enjoy that. But with all that being said... Freddie, let's give people the Cliff Notes background um, because it's very interesting you growing up um, the way you did. So just the 30 seconds, how did you grow up and uh, what was your family business, if you will? Um, Well, I grew up in Wyoming, uh, cowboying. My dad did some ranching and then uh, went back into law enforcement and – yeah, that was it. And then I ended up going in the Marines because uh, I got sick in nine months of winter and <laughs> feeding cows and elk and everything else. So I went for something easy and joined the Marines. Yeah, so Fred- I I, uh, I can relate with the weather out in Wyoming. I lived in Big Sky, Montana for about 10 years. Yeah. So, Gordon, you would probably agree growing up in that environment, um, if you're looking for an easier route, you would probably join the Marine Corps, <laughs> sign up for Marine Corps boot camp to, to get a little break from the rugged lifestyle. I- I was roughing in custom homes in 30 below zero weather. This isn't, we're not talking wind chill. We're just talking straight up. And within three months, I was had moved to Las Vegas and was working in 117. That about killed me. Yeah, that's, that's a that temperature mighty shift. Motherfucker. Well, well, that's kind of an interesting segue a little bit. When, when they're training in the Marine Corps, even the Army, Special Forces, whatever, Obviously, you want to try to do as much of the training you can in the weather that's going to be similar to where you're you're going to be deployed. But obviously, special special teams guys, they never know where they're going to be deployed. It's one of these, hey, we need you over here in a moment. So how do they 
how does one kind of inoculate themselves to basically all weather patterns so that when you get deployed, you're not completely thrown out of your element? Um, The problem is, is no matter what you train in, you know, you could be, uh, you could train desert, uh, snow, mountains, and you just keep jungle. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of the Marines, you know, you will be in Hawaii and the next thing you know, we're above Bridgeport Mount Warfare training. And then, mm-hmm. and then, then you're going into the, to the snow package and then, or then you're going back out to, to, to uh, 29 Palms and aggressing doing, you know, all that stuff. But the problem is no matter where you get sent, it's, it's like altitude. You, you have, it, it takes you a few days to acclimate to where you're at. You can't, you know, I can't go from training in, in, in Montana and then they uh, drop me into the desert the next day and I'm going to be okay. So um, the, the whole point is, especially because I'm a Marine, Marine's weak, but just, it just keeps rotating so that you you know how to keep warm when you're in cold weather. You know what you need to pack, you know how much food you need to eat, the mm-hmm. calories and, and, and stuff. You know, when it's cold, you got to really pack the calories because you're burning burning it through burning through it so fast keep them warm you know and then and then uh my hardest part was just the heat when, when i you know i was stationed i was with uh, suicide charlie one seven and and, and, uh, and when we went from camp pendleton uh uh we, we just came back from okinawa japan was tropical and jungle training and we were down in indonesia and australia all these all these places of philippines doing training and literally three months later I, I, I was in 29 Palms dying. And, uh, <laughs> it, it, I, that desert is the hardest to acclimate to because it's, so, you know, most desert places is just, it's dry as hell and you just cannot get enough water in you. I, I'm here to tell you, um, I'll take the cold over the heat any day. Uh, you can always layer up properly, but there's only so much clothing you can take off. Right. You know, I, uh, outside of the because i've been asked too is like gordon how do you how do you deal with the crazy weather you've lived in and i'm like well outside of proper preparation and dressing right i think 90 percent of it's mental just oh, get yourself in the right headspace and dealing with it well it's funny how our body acclimates after a while because obviously you and i grew up in ohio and kentucky and it's not exactly not humid there in the summer times and then i no, moved it's, to- it's swamp ass land in the summer oh my sure. mom and dad live in kentucky right now they live in uh, Liberty, Kentucky, and it gets humid as shit there. So. And so when it's I move, wind, yeah, and there's no wind, and that heat just builds up in those hollers. And, yeah. uh, and, and so when I moved to Long Beach, I was wearing pants every day, and, and then all the locals are wearing shorts. Aren't you hot? I'm like, no, this feels great. And, you know, the 80-degree day there, 90-degree day there feels like a 70-degree day in Ohio. But after a while, I got used to it, and after four years, I relocated to the, well, the dick of the country, uh, Florida, far south Florida, <laughs> And I'm 23 years old. I'm going out to these bars down at Fort Myers Beach, and a lot of them are outside. And holy fuck, I'm standing outside at these clubs trying to just, you know, not look like a complete psychopath, but I'm so used to the California cool weather. I'm soaked in sweat. I got people looking at me like I'm on acid or maybe hopped up on E. I'm just, Dude, my body's just, just sweating. Fucking convenience and I had a girlfriend who's like, are you, are you all right? I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm from California. I'm not used to, it took me probably a year to get used to not feeling like I just walked into a goddamn sauna down here. So it's crazy how two things happen when you move cross-country. One, your body acclimates, and two, you're forced to buy a whole new inventory of socks. For some reason, socks are geographical, 
and I have no <laughs> idea why. <laughs> you, you're probably standing in those lines with knee-high socks and dicky shorts on. Right? No, what, well, when I left Ohio, the mid-rise socks were in. And then when yeah. I moved to California, unless you're a cholo, the, the footy socks were in. So it was like, everybody's looking at me like, who, what's, what's this guy? And like, so I reinvested in socks. So I moved out to Florida, a whole different <laughs> sock trend was in. So I had to reinvest in my socks. And it's like, I don't know why socks are geographical, but they clearly are. It's, it's so ridiculous. T-shirts all button-up shirts and you're in Florida. Is everything button-up. <laughs> Speaking of shirts, did you get the shirt I sent you? Did it, did it ever show up? No, I haven't got anything. Well, I'll have to get in on that. I'll have to, you I'll have didn't to... ask me for my address, did you? Yeah, I did. Maybe you didn't give oh, it to me. That's why you haven't got your shirt yet. Yeah, you sent it to somebody. They'll be like, oh, man, that's a nice-ass shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so after your time in the service, because I want to get to what you're doing now, I know we shared this on What's the Skull, but please tell Gordon how you got into – you know, Gordon, we talk about this a lot on this podcast, which is recognizing opportunity when it opens the door – and not being afraid to do something, even though it's not anything you've done before. And Freddie Joe has like to say, yeah, grip it and rip it. Yeah. Fake mm -hmm. it till you make it. Don't, you know, you, you're going to shorten your, your range of travel in life. If you're afraid to try new things, explain to Gordon, how you became or got into the stunt coordinator field in Hollywood. This is just one of those stories that it's just perfect. Well, um, I had just gotten out of the Marines, you know, and kept getting fired or quitting because I hated every human being that walked the face of the earth after 10 years in the Marines. And uh, uh, they were filming a movie called Starship Troopers in Casper, Wyoming. And they were looking, a bunch of my friends, we were all just, just shit-faced getting drunk. What else do you do in Wyoming, as you know, being in Montana? Um, we... Uh, but we're sitting on drinking. They're all talking shit. Oh, they're looking for outdoorsmen or former military. And I was drunk. And, you know, I'm the baddest son of a bitch ever walked the face of the earth. You know, whatever. So a and, drunk uh, idea was hatched. <laughs> well, it wasn't hatched. What, what hatched was they came and woke my ass up at 7 in the morning to go wait in a three-hour line for this audition with a thousand friggin' people. Now, to, did you put up a fight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, you know. Hey, man, fish, were, you know, fish were biting. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was, I, I was, I'm having a fish. But, um, I went and waited in line and I was done. It was, it was, uh, it was cold out. It was in, uh, April in, uh, Wyoming. So it was, you know, it was, a, it was actually a warm day. It was like 50, whatever, but I was just not having three hours hungover. Like, I just want to go home and these people getting, and all of a sudden this, I had never met really a gay person that I knew was gay at the point, and he walked up and. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we've all seen Brokeback Mountain. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, if you read the book, you know it wasn't about Wyoming. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just messing with. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I walked up and and he's like, "Oh, so what are you, an outdoorsman or military?" And I just looked down at him and said, "Don't I fucking look like I'm in the military?" And you know, that's all I said to him. And he just went, ooh, 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 and walked off. And then they called me back. And then uh, I came back to a call back. I was driving semi-trucks because I love being on my own on the road. So it's nice. And they, they called me back uh, like a week later. And there's like mm -hmm. 50. And it was a Ken and Barbie show. And I was like, what in the fuck am I doing here? Everybody's in there doing push-ups and stuff. I had you know shirt with my name on it, Wranglers and boots and you know hat on. And I walked in and. Now, was your shirt tucked in? Because I know a lot of times that's that's a sign of a, a former military person. They, regardless uh, of the shirt, it's tucked in and that belt's on. Got that well, gig line straight. 
um, I was known for getting in trouble for not doing that. Oh, um, <laughs> but you know, being a cowboy, you, you know, you got to have your shit styled and profiling. So, uh, you know, I had my, I had that, I had my belt buckle on, so my shirt was tucked in. Um, and I just walked in and everybody stared at me like I had a dildo on my forehead and I was like, Oh <laughs> fuck, what am I doing here? And, uh, and then Captain Die, Dale Die walked in with, uh, the same, uh, Mr. Bell was the, the casting agent and, uh, he did his whole speech and I just watched Outbreak. Okay. And I didn't know he was a former Marine or nothing, but I'm like, holy shit, there's a movie star. This is fucking cool. Are you familiar with who Dale Dye is, Gordon? God, the name is familiar. He basically, he plays, he's at least an NCO in just about every movie. Um, okay. He was or officer. Uh, yeah. officer and pre- save it Private Ryan at the very beginning. He's the one who called everybody in and then um, he wasn't the one who read the, the letter from Abraham Lincoln, but he was in the room with um, the cat from Breaking Bad, which people don't realize he was in there. Basically, he he has that voice. I think he's done video game voiceovers. Basically, once you hear his voice, you'll know who exactly who it is. But I'll, I'll pull up a clip. It go ahead, Freddie. And yeah, and he's one of the uh, he's one of the premier tech advisors in the film and film business. And and literally, he's like, "You're gonna come into me, da 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 da, and, and you're gonna come in this room, and you're gonna report to me, and you're gonna do what I tell you to do, and that's gonna be your audition." And I was like. All I heard was report, and everybody, they're in there 15 minutes, and my truck is running. It's, you know, it's April, Wyoming, so I got the trucks out running still. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get so fucking fired. So, like, two hours later, finally, he's like, Farnsworth, and I go in there, and I reported. I reported like a Marine, and, you know, you know starting Farnsworth's order below, you know, snapped to attention, and he just kind of looked up at me like, like I was a fucking idiot, basically. And he just said, Marine, I said, Yes, sir. And he said, what unit? And I said, Suicide Charlie for Giant South Wings, even though I was in other units, but that's the one I claimed the most. And uh, he just looked at me and said, I fucking hate 1-7. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. And he said, uh, drop and give me 25, which is not a brain thing, but he said, drop and give me 25, which I did. And then mm-hmm. I, sta- I stayed in the push-up position. And he's like, why are you in the push-up position? I told him, you haven't told me to recover yet. And he said, recover. And I got up to attention. He goes, now get the fuck out of here and stop wasting my time. I was like, I would literally... And it was so funny because it was Ken and Barbie. Everybody was looking at me stupid. I was literally in there for two minutes. Everybody else was in there like 15 minutes. I'm sure because he was checking all the girls' tits out and stuff. But I walk out and they were all smiling and giggling. And like 10 minutes later, he walked out. Basically said, everybody go home. Freddie Joe stay. And uh, he just hired me to help out with the training in the military stuff. And uh, do his training. That's awesome. Here's his voice. Halfway through that film, he got a a show called Rough Riders that had horses, and he was kind of like, hey, uh, god damn it, Farnsworth, I don't know a fucking thing about horses. How would you like to be in Hollywood forever? And I'm like, fuck it, let's do it. I've never seen this kind of money in my life. Hold hold right there real quick, Freddie. Yes, sir. Recognize his voice, Gordon. In the water supply. Now, I've been hearing a lot about Camp Lejeune lately. Some of my friends and their so, families who also... Yeah, I mean, there. you've seen any movie made, regardless if it's World War II, modern day, within the last 20 years, you'll heard that voice somewhere in that in that picture. Yeah, or he's tech advised it one way or the other, yeah. Well, even when he tech advised oh. it, a lot of times they just give him a cameo. Yeah, I, I do the same thing when I tech advise him. <laughs> and so he brought you on to do the tech advising for Starship Troopers, and then that went so well, he brought you on to the project with, you said it was out at a ranch... And well, so, it was Rough Riders. It was a Tom Berenger and Gary Busey and Tom, uh, Sam, Sam Elliott. It was, it was a big show. Yeah. And so uh, basically, basically, since then, you've been 
Hollywood and stunt coordinating and acting has been your permanent gig since then. Well, yeah, you know, it, it took me a while. I, I realized um, early I wanted to be a stuntman. And according to my aunts and stuff, I, I, you know, when I was a kid, I used to be like a goof. You know, I, used to be, I was jumping over stuff and jumping off things. I, you know, nothing's ever scared me. And uh, so I, I just kind of, I used my military background and tech advice and work to get, to get, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get in the stunt business. And uh, so slowly, you know, I'd go and ride horses and do stuff and do it for free. And then finally, mm-hmm. the like, damn, that guy just did exactly what I need for the show. And so they just hired me. And it just kind of helped me build my resume up. And then, uh, you know, uh, probably the last 10 years, I've really moved into, I mean, I still, I tech advise. I'm very limited on what I tech advise. It has to be, you know, I have to, uh, most I'm pretty well known in, in Hollyweird, but um, things have to go my way. I don't like to play the, I don't like to play the, oh, it's not a documentary, so we're going to film this anyway bullshit. So, um, um, I, you know, but, you know, I do, I do a few, I've done some good ones, World War Z, and I, I did a zombie World War II film that was really good called Overlord. Um, you know, I've done spy games, done quite a few quite a few shows tech advising but i just used that military to get in with the stunt stuff and now i'm just uh i do some stunts i just worked on uh i did uh, the last episode of the season for ncis la went out and did some driving stuff and and i just i just did a, a, a movie for jesse johnson was that manhood yeah uh, might be i don't know i don't know the name of it but uh, I, I, it all runs together. Oh, it does. I, I'm I, sure. Now it's just like I, I don't have a clue and half the shit that I don't even, you know, don't even go on, on the internet. But uh, yeah, where I do, I did some stunts and I did some acting. I played a cop, and then I get it's the start of the movie, and I get I get killed or whatever. I shouldn't say that, but um, spoiler yeah, alert. Bounce around, and then I got some movies I'm stunt coordinating. So coming up, you did the stunt coordinating for the Green Day video. Wake me up when September ends. I did part of it because I was actually out there. I was I was hired three days before they did that video, and I got a call. like, oh my god, they had hired somebody else, and and uh, I'm not going to say who they are, but they had hired these people, and they were going to bring all the talent in. And, and I, I really went in and looked at the. So I went down there, looked at the pictures, and they had all these guys playing Marines, and they were like guys fatter than I am now. I mean, no, no offense to uh, obese people, but you know, these guys were going into, they, they were supposed to be in Iraq and there's, you know, I mean, they had guys that were yeah, the three. flak jacket will cover it up. Yeah, no, they were plus <laughs> 300. So there was no hiding with the flak jacket stuff. And so they said, well, you, we, we need you to fix this. So, so I, <laughs> okay, everybody's I, fired. I, okay. Yeah. I said, okay. I, but it was a very anti, you know, anti mill, you know, green day. Is very, yeah very far left and, and i was like look I'm, I'm not you know but then they offered me enough money where i was like okay let me fucking see what i can do and uh i had hired a bunch of marines uh guys that work in the business now sean bunch well he's a policeman now but he works in the business uh robert garcia and a bunch of these guys to uh sam sam hunter that all were like in iraq or all these wars i hired them they just some of them, one of them just came back like a month before we started filming this and uh we went out and uh, I got a hold of uh, uh, what's this? The, the actress Green was uh, Tom Green. No, no, the the, the main guys. Uh, anyway, I got a hold of him to train him, and, and oh, of course Bill, that took. T- you talking that about from Green like, Day? Yes, Billy Joe. Billy Joe. No, 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 no. The actor that was in the in the in the video. Oh, oh I'll have to look. I'm, I got the video on here, but go ahead. 
yeah anyway got him and then uh i started training him and he would like and i got these guys i surrounded him with these guys just came back from iraq and they just really went at him they're just like ripping shit off of him you know that wardrobe put on him and mm-hmm. they put him together and he's like holy shit and then we filmed him before you know let him just go out and do it and then we trained him for a few hours and then filmed him again and he was hooked he uh, uh jamie bell right yeah 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 and uh he, i mean he was like you know he's a good actor so he was like yes this is what i want and so then it just started going the guy they had playing the drill instructor didn't show up so i like ran over and shaved my head and i the, fortunately the uniform fit perfect i played the drill instructor in the thing and then we were doing the the first big firefight and i was actually in the scene i had to wear a thing around my face i was uh on the home d shooting 50 cal and i had the guys trolling in a big staggered column coming down the thing and then all of a sudden the, the firefight took off and this was supposed to be everything goes to shit moment like mm-hmm. you know it's like we were a bunch of dumbasses out there and we should have been there but i had all these real marines and they were in the front and they literally it was like legit real shit. And I'm shooting a 50 cal and other things. And the director's like, what? You know, and the stunt performer gets blown up. And, and it wasn't in the script, but it was Sam Hunter. He crawls up, low crawls out in the middle of the scene because the scene was taking forever because video, you got to shoot it like one Every angle. Yeah. So he went and ran out and grabbed him by the back and pulled him behind the home beat, the stunt guy. And uh, I got done, director cut. Stunt coordinators going ape shit. You just won the whole fucking thing, you know. You know, it's going off, and I'm like, what? And I don't know what the hell because I'm in the home B. So I jump down and I go, well, let's go look at it. And I look at it and I go, that's fucking good shit. Right it there. looks, I'm watching the video now. <laughs> it I haven't muted. Yeah, I said, this shit looks, I mean, that's what you would do. That's what he's, and he, and he just said, oh, fuck, it just, it just, I don't know why I did it. And I go, you did what your instinct would do. I said, that's what he would do. The stunt coordinator, coordinator he's like fuck you i quit and he walks off and like okay well i guess you're gonna be the coordinator too <laughs> i'm like all right fuck it. And, where uh, is this shot yeah. because i'm looking at this and this is not and a cheap know, video at all i mean the sound stage yeah. or wherever they shot the location they shot this it looks legit no it was we we shot out about 40 miles past indio on the on the 10 freeway heading towards arizona and there's this old it's a, 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 like a mine of some sort out there with all these blowed up buildings and concrete. And it's like a little city. Mm-hmm. And there's been a few things filmed out there, but that was the first time I was out there. It was, it was crazy. It, it, and it was good. And, you know, the funny thing was they put us, I got all the guys for DM and stuff, you know, and they were all stoked about it. And they put us up in uh, uh, Indian Wells Casino and it had only been open a week. <laughs> and the director made the, the fatal mistake because after the first day, he's like, oh my God, this this video and he did it one video of the year but he's like this video is going to be fucking phenomenal thank you i want all your guys i brought all those com- guys from marine combat he didn't guys. say bar he didn't say bar tabs on me did he yes and, oh, and dinner <laughs> oh boy and he kept all that he didn't get out like a box of crayons too did he like three times he kept yelling his assistant go to you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like what are you doing he goes i didn't go get another credit card there's no oh, shit he told me at the end of the night, he goes, he goes, I will never offer to buy Marines drinks again. He goes, he goes, that's more money I'll make on this whole fucking thing. I was going to say, his, what you just done. I was going to say, his tab probably costs more than the production schedule for that's the entire he, video. He's like, holy shit. But yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was a, actually a really good, as funny stuff is, I've been known, I've been noticing from a lot of stuff, but I was doing the, the Pacific and I was in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that, 
that video was on all the time at the time. And uh, I got more people come up and ask for my autograph or like, holy shit, that's you. You know, it's like, it's kind of cool. You'd be sitting in a bar and everybody come running up. Well, speaking of the Pacific and Band of Brothers, and we go into this in depth on what's the scuttlebutt, but Gordon, he, if you, um, for those of you, because Band of Brothers has been around for a long time, but for those of you who have the box set, if you've never watched the um, extra scenes, um, which was recorded by Ron Livingston. They Ron get, Livingston Diaries. Yeah, they gave him a camera, and he starts off the hotel breaking in his Cochran boots, but they actually sent those guys to boot camp. And broke them in and literally made them sleep in foxholes and out of tents and ran them rugged. Freddie Joe had the uh, pure pleasure of being the guy who ran them rugged for like three weeks. You know, that's good to hear. You just heard that about Top Gun, too, how they uh, they got the actors trained in, into how to handle Gs, starting out with small aircraft, working their way up into the F-18s. You know, that which I definitely want to see. I've heard nothing but good things about that movie. Would it be fair to say the Band of Brothers and um, Save It Private Ryan was one of the first productions to really force their guys into that level of quote unquote training pre production? No. Really? What no. about a- uh, um, Platoon, which was also Dale Dyke. Okay. Dale was the head of both of them. Dale did Platoon and he took them into the jungle in the Philippines at the same time. They were training for 19 days. Why war was going on in the Philippines? You know, they, he was fighting, and so the, yeah, they had those guys went through the shit. <laughs> so it's <laughs> basically the Dale Die experience that he he started on platoon and and yeah, really fine tuned. Yeah, Cap Die, you know, um, love him or hate him um, in, in the business. I I love him and hate him all at the same time. But uh, he it's like a perfect relationship. Yeah, you know, it, 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 yeah, it is. You know, I, I, he's, he's, I, I call him, he's my mentor in, in that side of the business. Um, it's easy for me to walk in and say, tell me your five greatest war films you've ever seen. And all five of them, the actors were trained. Mm-hmm. They had a great tech advisor. And usually four or five, four, if not all five of them, Captain Die had something to do with it. Sure. Um, and then I said, well, tell me the five just off the ball things that, that are shitty for the war movies that were good scripts, but they're just shitty. And I'm like, what's the difference? I go, go ahead and research. There's no tech advisor. So that's the difference between a good movie and a shitty movie. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, The Longest Day has, you know, everybody looks at it's a great movie. It's a great movie. But as a historian and a reenactor, the fact that every single person in that goddamn movie with the exception of john wayne because he, he uses his as a crutch everybody's carrying thompson no one has an m1 garen except <laughs> for john wayne and they got these horrible like football style chin straps but for whatever reason i don't know if all the m1 garens were being used in training for because wasn't it filmed roughly around the time of vietnam or korea well, maybe yeah probably so i don't know if maybe no, it was in the 60s, I, I yeah so vietnam so maybe the m1 garens were being held on to for whatever reason but everybody in that movie carried a thompson so if you knew nothing about world war ii you just thought the normandy invasion was one with the thompson submachine gun at long range yeah. but it's just little yeah. things like that where they they may have either availability or they just they figure well half the people on the crew were you know old enough to have been there so we don't need a tech advisor i don't know well you do look at a lot of those old war films, as gaudy as some of them are, um, 
a lot of the actors did serve in yeah. World War II or Korea, or, mm-hmm. you know, not many in Vietnam, but not John Wayne. Um, so, but. so you know, uh, but you go all the way, even look at a film like Boys from Company C. Technically, except for the 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 the, the drill instructor stuff, it's shitty fucking movie. Mm-hmm. It, I love it. It's one it's one of my favorite films. It's very entertaining, but Arlie Army's in it. And you're like, wait, wait, what, what? <laughs> but, you know, uh, back then, Dell Dell kind of allowed the tech advisors to say, um, no. You know, uh, Dell says no differently than I do. I, you know, uh, we all, uh, we do. But, you know, there's some great tech, you know, Jim Deaver, uh, um, Harry Humphreys has done some amazing, done some shitty stuff, so like Jim, um, you know, but they've done some amazing films that will live with you. For, I use, I use, uh, you know some of the things they do just in training for the actors you know about you know you know walking directly and don't run away from the fire go get up and go towards the fire so on and so forth and that stuff is amazing on film what's uh, so, some of the stunts you coordinated on captain america the first avenger well i didn't coordinate it i was just a stunt performer oh okay well yeah they give you credits for stunts which uh whose stunt double were you one just the background I, was, I didn't stunt i didn't stunt double nobody i uh i originally was hired to go there and tech advice to help train the american side yeah uh so i was going to go over there i was only going to work on the show for for a couple weeks and then uh steve dent was a stunt coordinator and Steve did a movie. I my first movie. I take advice by myself. A movie called Spy Games, mm-hmm. and uh, um, the very first day of filming, I had all the background. We did. We did the. Uh, we were doing the scenes where uh, the, the the skinny Chris Evans jumps out on the uh, uh, jumps on the grenade. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we probably had a hundred background performers there that day doing the you know the camp you know of course the i call it the ad disease we gotta have people running around out in the background i'm like well what are they doing i don't know just, just run running around yeah be busy work <laughs> let's go <laughs> that's what we do on base we just run around and just doing nothing and uh uh all right boys we're going on a scavenger hunt just look busy. <laughs> exactly. well yeah. hurry hurry up and wait doesn't translate the film very well <laughs> exactly yeah it's kind of boring actually but uh um i had these guys, I had trained them uh, for like four or five days, all the background performers and spent the day with the actors and stuff. And uh, we were, I, I think it's called Black's Park. We're at Pinewood Studios. It's this long drive thing. And I had them all in formation and I started singing. And they were, and I, they started singing back. And there's like a hundred people through Black's Park singing. And Steve Dent, I didn't know, was in a vehicle behind me. And I had everybody kind of split so he could go through. And I was still singing the whole thing. And he just went new. No. And he's like, that's the greatest thing I've ever freaking heard in my life. All hundred of those guys repeating after you. And then, uh, you know, there's, like, oh, awesome. there's something about that. I've done a lot of events and the, one of my favorite ones was the 75th anniversary of Tarawa, where we did in Fort Morgan, Alabama. And there was about a hundred of us. And we, we forced marched a mile in full Marine Corps, 1942 haversack that the shelter has helmets, whole nine yards. And we were, and we had some active duty Marines there who were reenactors, and they're very into the Marine Corps history. And so, we had the march down. They had the cadence going, the the whole thing. And there's just something yep. about not only seeing that, but being in it. Even though we're just a bunch of reenactors, but being in the uniform and actually seeing sixty guys walking down the line in perfect formation. There's just something cool about it, regardless yeah. of where you're at. Especially if you've never seen it. Yeah. You know? 
And and if you've never been a part of it, you're in it. You're just like, I I, I even remember I remember a band of brothers the first time I I sang because I, I have a very loud cadence singing voice, very loud. Because my last four years in the Marines, I was at Marine Combat Training, and you know I have a hundred and some Marines, and I'd be like screaming and yelling at them and singing and doing all this stuff. And uh, Don, I, I still remember Donnie Wahlberg going, "Holy shit." <laughs> you were but beside me first of all you were breaking my eardrums without any amplification and second it's just it's i was so motivated i felt like i could walk to the moon that's you the know, job and that and I, 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 the, the reason why we do that is one take your mind off your pain mm-hmm. and two you're actually opening your lungs up and breathing because one of the things people do when they're under stress or, or thing they forget to breathe so if you're singing you're breathing and stuff too so you know me being the Marine always in my life, there's a reason for everything. <laughs> now Sorry. with, no, no, no worries. With Captain America, that was filmed in 2011 or made as the release date. And we know Band of Brothers released three days after 9-11. So you guys recorded that in 2000. Were you on set for Captain America when Neil McDonough showed up? Or did you not have the opportunity to oh, see yeah. him? Oh, yeah. That How was that after funny. seeing him for the first time after 11 well, years? Billy Budd, who also worked on Band of Brothers, Billy Budd is, he's a British Royal Marine, a lovely, he's a tech advisor as well, very, very good tech advisor, but he, uh, he, and he was the main tech advisor for Captain America, like I said, I was only going to go there basically to help out, and uh, I'd already been, Steve Dent had already said, no, you're staying here because I need your accent, you're going to be on the stunt crew, you're going to do stunts, because he knew I was a stunt performer, and uh but Billy had them all in this, this big old studio at Pine, at, in Pinewood Studios. <laughs> and in fact, I think it might have been it might have been the Bond sound set. I can't remember. Anyway, um, uh, he goes, "Hey, uh, I'm going to have all the actors over there the first day to meet them." You know, and so he had all uh, you know all of them. I don't remember all their names. Uh, uh, I know Neil was in there, and Billy was talking to him. And Billy's like, really, like, hey. Like, like he likes to be the, the good guy, the friend guy, you know, to all of them. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah, and and, he, and I walked in the studio. And no sound. If you ever been in a sound studio, yep. When it's empty, it echoes and it's loud. And I walked in and I started yelling at Compton. I'm like, yeah, God, yeah, 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 fuck up face. And he fucking immediately jumped down <laughs> into the position of push-ups and he's standing there. And all the other actors are like, holy shit, what just fucking happened? Now, for those of you not aware of playing along at home, Neil McDonough played uh, Buck Compton in Band of Brothers. And as we previously said, uh, Freddie Joe had the pleasure of breaking these guys down for three weeks. Now, a lot of these cats, when they recorded Band of Brothers, with the exception of Donnie Wahlberg and Ron Livingston and maybe one or two other cats, um, most of these guys, this is their first real project. And a lot. Well, here's the funny thing. I know that you just said it was their first. America, yeah, it was their first major. All of them, you know, and there was a running joke about Law and Order because, like, Rick Gomez and Frank Johnny, they're Mm -hmm. like, Yeah, if it wasn't for Law and Order, I wouldn't be in the film, I wouldn't be an actor anymore, you know, because they'd get guest starring roles and so on and so forth. Um, and I I always use that as an example. People ask me, uh, what's the difference between the actors on Band of Brothers and the actors on the Pacific? And the the actors on Band of Brothers had been through the friggin' ringer and they knew exactly what opportunity they were just given. Yeah. A lot of the actors on the Pacific assumed um, that it would come because of the franchise. 
that and some of them were already made. You know, John Barenthal yeah. was filmed out. John Seda was already a, a big name. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, James Bachdale, you know, he was already becoming a big name. and already filmed a few things that was coming out, you know, and then, of course, you had Little Dinosaur Boy, which I couldn't stand. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> really? I- you know, I was kind of surprised with these relaunch of, I guess maybe since he did Queen, he's too big to do the relaunch. Because I was always surprised he did, he wasn't in the follow-ups for Jurassic Park, but you weren't a fan of his? Oh, the biggest pussy I ever met in my life. <laughs> the biggest fucking, excuse my language, the nah, biggest pussy I've ever met in my life. Cried and whined. The entire fucking Every time. day of the whole show. That sucks. And I fucking rode him like a fucking, like he was a mule. Rode <laughs> <laughs> the shit out of him. And he hated, he tried to get me fired. He almost had me, almost, he was five minutes away from having me fired one day, finally. He's too mean to me. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I, I can't perform today. He, he threatened my life. I'm Has that under duress right now. You know, it's interesting because yeah. Gordon and I were talking two nights ago about the show The Mayans. It's a spinoff from Sons Anarchy, and Gordon stopped watching after season two, and I've been invested. So it's one of my shows I watch when nothing else is on. But we got to talk about Kurt Sutter, and I was like, well, Kurt Sutter got kicked off like three seasons ago because he created a toxic environment. And we were laughing about how you got a show of these actors who are portraying Let's be honest. In be real, hard, in hard real life, you wouldn't want yeah. you wouldn't want to have any interaction with anybody from Sons of Anarchy or the Mayans. These are the worst people on the fucking planet. <laughs> you know, the murderers, they're they're horrible people. But the irony of that they're creating that environment and that their personality, but to have Kurt Sutter run off for toxic environment, has it been harder uh, without putting yourself in risk? But have you noticed a swing in Hollywood when it comes to how you have to interact with the talent now? compared to maybe 20 years ago when you got started? Um, not, I mean, me, like I said before. You don't pull any punches, so I figured. When, when, when somebody hires me, they, and it's the whole point of, of him trying to get me fired, which I was close. One executive producer had, like, pack your shit and go, and I was like, you know, go fuck yourself. I don't give a shit. I'm fucking out of here. You know, I've already made my money. I don't give a fuck. And, uh, um, but a, a gentleman by the name of Tony Toe, who was the main mm-hmm. producer, he, you know, he had Band of Brothers Pacific. He's, you know, number three at Disney for a long time. He's uh, one of the best executive producers, producers, uh, leaders of a film I've ever worked with. Well, Tony Toe said, eh, come over here. And he, you know, basically, it, you know, it's one of the greatest moments of my film stuff. He pulled, pulled him and the other actor uh, aside with the executive producer. And, uh, you know, because, of course, they went to him. So we, I just fired Freddie Joe, blah, blah, blah. And Tony told And Cap and I went to oh, Cap. He's like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want nothing to do with this. Right. And, you know, I said, well, fuck it. I'm out of here. I don't give a shit. And uh, I was walking by and Tony told pulled me over and he just looked at him and, and he goes, come here. And I was like, oh, fuck. I don't want to talk to you guys right now. Because, I, I, you know, I hadn't gone to anger management yet. So I would. I said, so that implies that you have sense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've spent a lot of money <laughs> trying to calm myself down. It, it works sometimes, but um, uh, he just basically said, "I just want to tell you." Yeah, you know, I say, "Oh, Mr. Toe, you know," he goes, hey, "Shut the fuck up." Like, yes, sir. And he goes, I- "I'm gonna tell you what I told these gentlemen." And he said, "They told me that you said that if it's all fine and dandy, if I see you out in town, I'm gonna beat the living shit out of you." <laughs> right? And I and I did. Um, uh. And uh, he said, but this is what I told him. He said, I told him, well, you're lucky to beat the shit out of you here. Um, and I also told him, 
pull your fucking panties up and get back in the fucking thing and do exactly what the fuck he tells you to do because that's why I fucking hired because and that man, that misery that anxiety it carries over to film and these guys are supposed to be in a miserable anxiety filled holy shit exactly. not only are the Japanese trying to kill me but this godforsaken islands trying to kill me that's the that's what they're looking for yeah well, apply the pressure <laughs> very few, I mean very very few good at they 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 understand they don't understand they don't know that anxiety they've never felt that anxiety that that that, that uh, danger that fear for life that uh, working on your you know working off your subconscious not because your conscious is saying run get the fuck out of here so your subconscious is doing whatever you were trained to do um, so good actors Brad Pitt all these other guys Samuel Jackson all these people I've trained they just suck every fucking ounce of it there's always that actor that read this fucking book that said. Oh no, you're a thespian. You can go to any dark place you want to go. You don't need to get out here and understand it. And I always tell all these people when I train them, I'm like, I'm about to train you in something that no school, no life experience will ever be able to make you go to. And there's a difference between being tired and being military tired. There's a difference between being um scared and being military scared you know and, and i i always say one bullet or a million bullets you shit yourself no matter what so you got to learn how to shit yourself but still be able to uh, accomplish the mission so that's basically what we do with those actors and, and you know in some there, there's been just only a few in, in in the i've been 26 years um um 26 plus years I've only had a couple actors and I had one that really went and it was like, okay, let's go in the back 40 and I'll just, you know, mop the shit out of you right now. And, uh, uh, he ended up by before about halfway through the film going, I was a fucking idiot. You are the fucking man. And he is and still to this day. He's a good friend. Um, but there's only been one or two actors that really didn't, you know, and I always tell everybody, it's like, if you're going to be a, a, a carpenter, you better learn how to fucking use a hammer. Well, and that's what's crazy about the method actors. I was going to ask you, have you had any experience with Daniel Day-Lewis or Shia LaBeouf? Because I heard both of those. I heard during Abraham Lincoln that basically Daniel Day-Lewis lived in his tent and his his costume for the entire, most of the shoot. And I heard that Shia LaBeouf did the same thing on Fury where he, he really cut his cheek, he busted his tooth, he lived in his uniform and didn't take a bath for four months, really getting into the it, character. I haven't, I honestly haven't worked with either one of them. Um and I don't mind method. I don't mind method actors at all. Yeah. And, and kind of what I do is, is teaching actors how to be method. Yeah. Actors. That's kind of my point. It's the extreme opposite. You know, you're talking about, you know, I'm trying to teach because we're talking about how those experiences that the anxiety carries over to film. Well, those two method actors, they understand that. And so they, they perfect example. If you watch the documentary about Jim Carrey and him playing on uh, the character on man in the moon, he, right. he, he turned into him. I mean, like he was living those characters for like 24 hours a day through the entire shoot. Because of it. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. That is a fantastic documentary, but yeah, it's like, it'd be interesting to, to see that. I, I, I don't know. I just maybe being a living, a living historian, I can, I can visually see just a Daniel day Lewis at the end of the day of the shoot, sitting in his uniform in an old 1800s wall tent, with the dust board and just sitting in the mud with a uh, with a uh, old school lantern and reading a book, I can see it. Yep. Well, and, and that's that's the fortunate thing about doing the boot camp is we we because um, a lot of actors 
let's put it this way a majority of actors aren't method actors at all sure you know that's a wrap we're going to go get shit faced <laughs> that, that, that's the majority of actors um like a strong majority and uh uh what what what, what by putting them in 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 boot camp and let's just shoot a, a silly uh, it wasn't a silly movie actually it was kind of entertaining a movie i did called overlord yeah and and you know jj abrams i was hired because he was a young director and, and and my reputation had preceded me about not taking shit from nobody and keeping things running the way it's supposed to run that and, was the airborne movie that took place on d-day that quickly turned into a zombie movie kind of like how dust till dawn went from a bank robbery movie to a uh, vampire movie all in one yeah yeah exactly but it kind of made a little bit more sense because it was not necessarily a zombie film. It was more about the thousand year right. They were trying to build that super soldier and yeah. it kind of went out. It went south on them. And uh, so I kind of liked the premise of it. Um, you know, uh, I was told at the beginning, hey, this is not going to be historically where, accurate. Yeah, because there's going to be, you know, black paratroopers that are in charge of white paratroopers and so on and so forth. But I was like, look, I don't give a shit. It's your fucking money and your JD Abrams. Who the fuck am I going to tell you? Uh, but my whole point to them was, it, it, I don't care about that, but they will not diminish diminish the, the paratroopers from World War II, the 101st. You know, uh, I I'm the one that talked them into being 101st Airborne troops. Uh, they, you know, they had I don't fucking know. I'm like, look, the most known fucking unit use their fucking badge or 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 second best 82nd, but don't go yeah, don't exactly. don't leave those two rounds. They had some. I'm like, just use the hunter first. So we they put the screaming eagles. And the funny thing is, is all the ward, most of the wardrobe, most of the, the props and web, they were all from Band of Brothers. Sure. So when I showed up, they were like, "Fuck yeah, this is gonna get real good, real interesting, real quick." And uh, you know, those actors, and, and, and I, I watched the interview with Wyatt Russell. I forgot, uh, I forgot the other actors, but uh, Ian, Ian, uh, he's a, a Scottish guy. And uh, they were given an interview and they were like, you know, tell us about what the training did for the film. And, and uh, you know, Wyatt, Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son, basically said, you know, um, there was times when the directors wanted us to do things for theatrical purposes, you know. And sure. by, because we did that training, I had the ability to go, I'm not fucking doing that that would embarrass the military and there's no way in hell they would do that and 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 that meant a lot to me you know and that and also they they said i was the meanest fucker they ever met that was also very important well that's one of the things we covered on the other show too is um you have a very strict policy of while you're in that uniform act as if absolutely you know and it's it's true like you know and all, all your listeners and everybody majority of your listeners know somebody they're related to somebody or they are somebody that has wore that uniform. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not a Cub Scout uniform. It's something that it's earned through blood and sweat and tears. And, uh, it's a way of life. So I, I never understood these shows. I, I, I watched the show. I'm, I don't know if I can say it, but I watched the show that I really enjoyed the first time. Cause I didn't really have to pay attention to it. That much. <laughs> Uh, but it was called uh, 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 something. Uh, it's about Saddam Hussein. It's a four-part miniseries, and, and uh, House of Saddam was the name of it. Okay. And I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, that's kind of good. 
but I just watched it recently. And then I'm like watching it and I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) Why didn't they call me? (laughs) Yeah. They're they're in Iraqi freedom and and, and all this stuff. And the guys have H harnesses on it, which was worn in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and they're all, all carrying M16A1s, which were, were, you know, vamped out in 1988, you know, by, by the last units had them in 1988. And, and I'm like, and then, the, and then all Saddam's sons, you know, Uday and Hussein or whatever the fuck their names were, they, they had M16A1s. I'm like, what is the fuck? You know, and it just kind of just. Not an AK or Galil to be seen, huh? Yeah. AK 47 <laughs> or 74 or, you know, or just, just pistols, you know, they were known for having their gold pistols. They loved their gold 50 caliber desert Eagles and mm-hmm. shit like that. And, and, and the then, most un- impractical handgun in the world. <laughs> yeah. And they blow the building up when, you know, when they finally get killed with a tow missile, I'm like, what the fuck? Tow missile. That's what the fuck, what the fuck is this? And it just kind of just like ruined it for me. And I'm like, you know, for $15,000, that film could have been fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, and to save fifteen thousand dollars. So you know, and that's one of the things that have changed. You were talking about, you know, with, with uh, I don't get, I won't get. People won't hire me unless they know me. Yeah. I, I have that reputation. First of all, that um, first of all, I, I'm not very politically, politically correct. So my first meeting, my first production meetings, I always have. I'm like, look, I'm gonna say fuck you, motherfucker, cunt, bitch, but blah, 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 all the fucking stuff. Seven words you I can't don't say on radio. Any of it. I don't mean a, a word of it, but it's just a part of of the whole scenario and the situation. Second of all, anybody that fucking bitches is gone. Mm-hmm. Gone. If you want to bitch about it, moan about it, gripe about it, I don't have time for you. Even if you fucking smile at me in formation, I will fire you in a second. And, and that goes for passive. You know, and, uh, you're talking about how your vernacular, and it reminds me of that scene from Platoon, and the guys are talking about, oh, I got, you know, two months and a day. And the one guy's like, have you been home since you've been in? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, how are you going to talk to your mom? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, I went home and I was like, great fucking potatoes, mom. Can you pass the fucking hamburgers, mom? And he was basically explaining, we've been out in the jungle and, and been in this situation. Our vernacular, of course, back in the 60s, it wasn't commonplace. It was, it was uh, frowned upon to use that sort of language in front of your parents, especially your mom. And so kind of like you're talking to the um, – the people in charge, that's just your vernacular. Yeah. I want to change up a little bit so Gordon can jump in on this because he's seen every episode of both series. What was it like working on Fear of the Walking Dead? Oh, I, I love it. I probably, I've done, I've, let's see, I, my first was season two, then I did season three, and then I did season four, and then I just did last, I just did last season. Uh, went out for uh, three, four weeks out in Texas to work on it. And I, I absolutely loved it. And, you know, it's a different kind of change because I, I, I was in shape, skinny, ripped motherfucker, so I was playing the zombie all the time. And now I get to play the fat fucking military guy that's... <laughs> so I kind of like it. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, um, in, uh, I'm in the new season right now. I'm actually a few episodes behind on uh, AMC+, Plus, but I'm, I'll definitely keep an eye out. Let me tell you something. Time. We were talking about humidity earlier. The last, oh, I was going to say, imagine being in all that zombie makeup in the middle of Texas in fucking August. <laughs> I feel horrible. I was August of last year. I was out there for three weeks, and I was, I was on horseback, which is fine, um, but I was in Mop 4, full rubber, foot oh, over, Mops, get up. And it was a hundred, like hundred two degrees, 
hundred. Um, I, I, I was like, I'm gonna fucking die. I, I literally like you were talking about sweat. I won like three pair of boots. You lose twenty pounds before you're out of it. He's having. Oh, it was great. I, I mean, I should have like stayed out there forever. Would be such a chunky fucker now. <laughs> He's having flashbacks to his gas mask training back in the oh, day. Oh, it was it was so miserable. But you know, uh, James James Armstrong and Jack, which is brother, um, uh, I'm their uncles is Vic and Andy Armstrong. Okay. Well, James is, is Andy's son and Vic and Andy Armstrong, especially Vic, they're like the two, some of the biggest pioneers in, in, in all of stump business. I mean, Vic is the governor. Everybody calls Vic the governor. He's one of the highest paid second unit director. He gets paid more sometimes than the actual director. He's done a ton of bonds. He was, uh, um, um, uh, Harrison Ford stunt double. He did like 19 James Bonds. He's just, you know, they're, they're just in, in, in James, James is young, but I've known him since he was like nine years old. So it's kind of cool that I'm working for him. He did the, also brought me in to work on the greatest, uh, the greatest showman and stuff. So it's kind of like, I, I'm nostalgic, you know, for them. Like, oh, this is pretty going. And they always bring me in for shit. Nobody else would do. So it's kind of cool. You know, oh, he'll fall off the helicopter from 30 feet. He don't Well, it's funny <laughs> talk about being chunky, and you mentioned flak jackets earlier, and I was like, you know what piece of gear would make the skinniest guy in the world feel fat as a, a real plate carrier because of the way they're sized? Mm-hmm. Guy's extra large. He's got to get like a triple extra, quadruple yeah. extra large plate carrier. <laughs> you know, yeah, just... and, and, and it doesn't breathe. So and it doesn't breathe. And, it's like being my four. It just doesn't breathe. Everything's just sweating out of you. You know, it's funny. Gordon and I kind of gingerly touched on this back when the pandemic started. And you start seeing, you know, people start making comments. And during the Trump administration comments, and, you know, people were kind of throwing the, the phrase Civil War around. And, and we brought it up. It's like, you know how many people have these fantasies? It's like, what is your idea of civil war? You better hope it's go out on your front porch, fire for a few rounds, and then go sit back on your couch because no one is going to be physically fit. No one realized how heavy plate carriers are when they got all the plates in there and having all of the shit you need on your back. It would never oh, yeah, happen. You, t- you hear people talk about all these, I got thousands of rounds. I'm like, and how much of that are you going to carry with you? Yep. How yeah, much you know, are you going to put in your vehicle? You may have You better a have a fucking post. bunker in your ground to go along with it because you ain't. Yeah, I have, a, I have a couple great stories about that. Uh, Tony Scott, I did what I did spy games. Um, uh, him and the armor. The reason why I got it is I was I was hired by the art department to go out and make Viet, make uh, Wars of Morocco look like Vietnam, which was a bitch. But I, you know, I had a bunch of workers working for me and I built the fire base and all this stuff and planted palm trees and and uh, I was literally supposed to fly out that day. And the armor was John Nixon and he did Band of Brothers and he's like. He got in an argument with, uh, God rest his soul, Mr. Scott. Tony Scott was like, and they, they, they brought me down there, and, 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 and he's like, oh, he had read Carlos Halfcock's book, you know, about shooting a bicycle tire out with 50 cal with the Mod Deuce. So he wanted that in the film. And he wanted Brad Pitt's character, who was a sniper, to, to carry this Mod Deuce. And so I walked up, and I'm like, and, and, and of course, while I'm walking in, to get James Scott to follow all these you know, producer, don't argue with Tony. He hates being argued. Just tell him, tell Tony what he wants, and then we'll get you to your airplane because I was supposed to fly out in like two hours. Go back. And he goes. So I walked up, and and uh, uh, John had the HK uh, uh, 380 with a bull barrel, freaking you know, sniper, full on looking sniper rifle, and then there's the mod 50 cal on the tripod and stuff. 
and they're like both going back and forth, going back and forth. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I, you know, I don't know what to do, you know. <laughs> and I just said, I just said, Mrs. Scott, can you pick that 50 cal up? So I opened up the panel and said, can you pick it up? And he's like, oh, it's heavy. And I'm like, yeah, it's like 70 pounds. And that's without the ammo. And I said, a box, it, a box of ammo will add another 40 or 50 pounds of that. And you want them walking 30 or 40 clicks to get this target. It's not going to happen. Plus, you also got to carry the tripod. Because <clears throat> you can't shoot this thing ramble. You can't shoot this thing off without a tripod alone's forty eight pounds. Yeah, it's freaking huge. And uh he was like, Oh, okay, we'll use a three eighty. So I got that thing. That was one just saying the fun. control on a Modeuse is nothing like a three eighty either. <laughs> and, <laughs> that, and that so is why I, I, I won that argument, but and that is why Freddie Joe was fired from the production of the Predator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then, that then, mini gun? Yeah, the mini gun was just in the body Ventura. Yeah, oh yeah, that was right. <laughs> I always like when they use the uh, the what they call mini my or, or or the uh, um the uh um whiz wheel or whatever the fuck you want to call it, the, the six barrel thing. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, you know how much ammo you, you would ha- how much weight you would have to carry to shoot that thing for five seconds? You'd have to have a donkey with you. You can't even get the rock over here to do yeah. that. I mean, uh, and then and fast forward to talk about. About, about body armor, I, 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 did you guys ever see the unit? Yeah. Yes. Well, I doubled Max Martini. He's like one of the best. I've been in stunt double for 20. Now I stunt coordinate all of his movies that he's directing and stuff now. And uh, I was doubling him on that. And the very last episode, Den- Dennis Haysburg got pulled over by some U.S. Marshals and he invited them to set and, and so on, you know, because they were big fans. And uh, they were like, me, Max, and Dennis Haysburg were sitting there, and the U.S. Marshals are like, "Hey, we're doing the, you know, they've got this big thing, taking down forty-six warrants and stuff. You guys want to go on one of the raids with us in the morning?" Hell yeah! And of course, they're like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it!" And Max is like, "I'm going." Freddie Joe goes, you know. So we, we, you know, we go to a staging area like four o'clock in the morning. They do them at like six in the morning because that's when everybody's sleeping. sleeping so. Yeah, so we're like four o'clock. We meet, and they're going through, you know, they're going through their their uh, um, five paragraph orders, what we call the military, or whatever. They're giving the briefing and everything. And they're like, okay, get get the actors. We met we met the captain in charge of everything. So we get the actors, and then we go go ahead and body arm them up. Well, they pulled out a real body arm. And they both both of them looked at me and went. Dude, this is like sixty fucking pounds. I said, "Yeah, it's got to be ballistic proof." So we welcome <laughs> the real life. Yeah, you're looking. Yeah, at... they were like, "We have no idea. It's not filled full of foam and shit, looking all cool and pretty." Yeah, they're about the legit stuff is not like. Well, you got to think you you got about what eight pounds on the front, eight pounds on the back, five to six on the side pan plates. I mean, it's they're pretty. Even damn more, it, it, the even front more. back plate I think is even more than that. Yeah. I think, I think they're, they're like 10, 20, aren't they? I think they're close to 20 each. So you're looking at 40 just for front and back. I have a plate carry, but I have weighted plates in it for when I run. And just, uh-huh. you know, I can go out and run three miles in 28 minutes. I put on that plate carrier with two eight pound uh, weighted plates and just adding that 16 pounds, it just brings your pace down tremendously. Absolutely. And that's what, and then that's what I was talking to Gordon. So I was like, people don't realize how heavy all this shit is. And yep. and no wonder so many guys get on militaries with, between that and the the fucking rucksack. No wonder their backs are blown out. Just look what five thirty round magazines for an AR way. You know when they're loaded. Mm-hmm. I, I had loaded up my my carrier my uh, my rifle bag, and to go shooting at the range. I said, like, I'll just load this up. And I said, like, Jesus Christ, this yep. is way heavier than I thought. Yeah. Now, Can you imagine this? In Desert Storm, I carried. I had nineteen loaded magazines, whew. and I had and I had sewed. 
two full bandoliers on the back of my uh, flag jacket. Jesus. That's how, that, just in that. And then I had uh, four grenades and one woolly peep grenade. Just in that alone, I was carrying an extra 30 And you got to go prone and then get up and run <laughs> and cover yeah, all. Yeah, but I didn't give a shit back then. I was a freaking idiot. Well, you know, well, you know, I'll feel this in about 30 years and going back to world war two, the ammo carriers, they had this rudimentary, like back brace it was basically a, a metal C that they put four ammo <laughs> yeah. cans in with some rubber bands and then strapped it on their back. Er- ergonomic. It was not. And so, exactly. and these poor guys are just, it's, and everything was heavy back there. I mean, hell, the M1 helmet alone weighed three and a half pounds. You put that on, your neck hurts from laying prone. I cannot imagine laying prone all day with that heavy ass. I mean, even through Vietnam, Korean War, you know, just this, the M1 helmet is just so hey, damn when heavy. I went, this is how old I am. When I went through infantry school, that's what I had. Yeah. But the, the Kevlar liner with the steel pot on the outside. Yep, yep. Yeah. It was friggin' like, but the Kevlar is fucking heavy as shit. Everything's you know, heavy. Now they've realized, you know, well, the hell, you know, I, I, when I was at Marine Combat Training, I, I was, when I was an instructor at uh, Range 314 with all the weapons, you know, I was teaching all the weapons and stuff. We used to do tests. We'd shoot the, you know, the flak jacket with different ammo. And, and man, every time you would shoot one of those helmets, it would just, the bullets would go through it. It would just turn into mush. Like, this thing is not. So, so no, those the, those were designed to protect you from flying debris. They were never from, meant to stop from, a bullet from flak. And, and, and fortunately, the military has now realized, you know what, we don't need all that to protect from flak. Let's go a little bit more high speed and lighter. Well, so you were speed. you were over there at the time. One of my um, listeners brought me a helmet, an Iraqi helmet that his brother in law bat- brought back from my uh, Iraqi freedom, and all that goddamn thing is a two inch thick M one helmet liner. It yeah. looks exactly like an M1. It has the same webbing in it. It's just two inches thick. They called it the ballistic helmet, and it was literally. Yeah. It looks just we, like an M1 helmet liner. Yeah, we call them, we call them space ball helmets. <laughs> Speaking of helmets, one of the coolest piece of World War II memorabilia I've seen was a, a boss of mine out in Montana. He's the guy who owned the company. He had in a in a clear plastic case a, a German war helmet with a hole blown in it come to find out that was his father's he was part of the weimar republic and uh he he got that hole blown in it and that's how he met his mom his mom was actually a nurse mm. for the german for the germans and and they they kept that i thought that was a really cool story i think there were some memoirs written about it but uh you know the soldier wounded soldier who, who probably should have been in all intents and purposes dead yeah meets the nurse who uh nursed him back to health they uh get married and move to the United States and, and, and live the American dream out of Detroit. <laughs> I got to ask you, I, I, I haven't heard of this title, but the title, what the hell is the Manson brothers midnight zombie massacre? Oh man, that's a great <laughs> movie. You got to watch it. It's hilarious. I'll have to check it's, that out. Uh, it's a, a friend of mine, a former Marine, his name's Mike Carey. Um, he, uh, he, he, he wrote this. It's funny. I was doing Will Gardner and I brought him out. He's an actor. But I, uh, there was he wasn't doing a part right out to do stunts and stuff, but uh, things didn't work out. And he brought me this brochure of you know this this pitch about these wrestlers that fight zombies. And I was like, actually, at first I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's gonna go a long ways. Okay, I won't go nowhere. I was like, yeah, man, I'm interested. Whatever you do. Well, fast forward to uh, a few years ago, um, Max got involved in it. Max Martini and he, he and. and uh, Man, it's a good movie. Randy Couture, Boz Rutan. You know, that was a that was a good. I mean, 
very entertaining and it's a series of films and and, and, and he's like very old school so like no, I'm watching the trailer. It looks like the zombie outbreak is caused by some bad steroids or something. And, and, and it was, they didn't even, this was way before this, pandemic. This, we filmed it. We've gotten them filming literally six months before COVID. So in it's bad steroids they get from China. Uh, <laughs> of course. And it all worked out. And, and uh, man, that was a, it, it's actually. To, it's, what'd you it, get for your bad steroids from China? Yeah. yeah. It's, very, it's very, very, it's, it's, and, and I, me and Max got in a big fight about it. And I said, look, we, I've worked on a few zombie movies doing Fear of the Walking Dead. And I did, I, I just, uh, a few years back, I did the New World or whatever the heck it is, the third Walking Dead series. Yes. Uh, uh, Michael Cutlass brought me out to train all these guys that are playing Marines in the show and, and, the, and the lead, one of the lead actresses that's a former Marine. And uh, um, I'm like, I've done a lot of zombie shit. And I did World, <laughs> I did World War Z. You know, so I've done some pretty successful shit with zombies. And I said, look, um, one of my favorite films of all time about zombies is Shaun of the Dead. Yes, you know, that's a great movie. The comedy's there. It's funny. I said, but there was one thing in that show. You had comedy and you had comedy zombies. And then you look at World War Z, you had serious and serious zombies. I said, why don't we do a comedy, but the zombies are serious. And, and fuck, I fought and fought and fought, and and so then they they came up to the camera test, and I said, look, I'm and I, I went out there for a couple of weeks training. Uh, I had a couple of these wrestlers, and I and I was training the two leads. Mike Mike Carey played uh, one of the leads, and and uh, um, uh, Chris Chris played uh, the main lead, and I so I was training them for fighting and all this stuff, and they were professional wrestlers at one time in their career, and so. Um, they were they were easy to train, so we did some pretty hairy shit. You know, beat the shit out of each other, and and and, <clears throat> and I go look. I mean, I got enough. Me and Max, because he's one of my best friends. I've been a stunt double for fucking ever, and you know, like there when all his kids were born, he was there when my kids were born. And, you know, I, so we people just laugh at us in productions meetings because I'm like, you know, fuck you, no fuck you, no go oh, fuck yourself, you yep. know. <laughs> And we were getting excited. Like, the zombies don't need, he wanted them to be fucking silly fucking zombies. And I'm like, that's been done, man. Let's do a fucking scare. It's a fight movie. These, I got, we got Boss Root and Randy Couture and all. Mm -hmm. Let's make the zombies, let's make these guys really have to fucking fight these fucking things. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, zombies are great, but we're sleeping on Balls of Fury. What what kind of uh, stunts yeah. were in the yeah. ping pong? <laughs> <laughs> the ping pong movie. <laughs> I worked on that one too. <laughs> I worked on Balls of Fury, but um, he uh, uh, so anyway, we uh, I go look. I'll do the camera test. I'll play the first zombie that that turns right. And Max, he never wants to cast me in anything, you know. So you got you know, Freddie, you got stuff. You know, I don't want to cast. I'm like whatever. I got done with that test, and he was like, "I fucked up. I fucked up bad because I just fucking." Just jumping, just ripping guts out of things, <laughs> and, and he and uh, beat the shit out. I beat the shit out of these poor two guys that were, uh, you know, that I'd been rehearsing with. And sure enough, the, the zombies went fucking vicious, and it's pretty good. Some great fight scenes, and because a couple of zombies are like wrestlers too. And so I said, the whole premise is they they've lost their mind, like World War Z. They lost their mind. But they still have that skill of fighting, you know. They yeah. can still pick up and suplex you and DDT you or whatever. And uh, in fact, the, the best one of the best fight scenes in it is with Randy Couture 
and uh, 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 and uh, he's a stunt actor guy, and man, they tore it up on screen. And it, and we filmed it for like a little over a million dollars, but it's fucking hilarious. It's one of the funnest movies I've ever worked on. Very cool. well. It is streaming on uh, Amazon Prime, so I'll definitely have to check that out. Um, yeah, it's just fucking hilarious. There, there's some lines in there that you will cry laughing. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I live down in Cape Coral, Florida, and across the river is Fort Myers, Florida, and that was actually the set for the 1984's Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah. And there's a pretty cool YouTube video where a guy goes around, well, about eight years ago, and he shows the modern uh, locations of where these scenes were shot. And so anytime I run in downtown Fort Myers, I'm running past these locations, and I'm thinking, oh, that's where that scene was, and that's where that scene was. <laughs> Um, well, I no, no, I think what we're going to do before we wrap the episode up, we have a TikTok lesson of the week. And yes, I said the TikTok lesson of the week because you can, in fact, as weird as it sounds, learn something from TikTok. And so let me just get my soundboard up here. I'm struggling. I really need a producer. I really do. I need someone to, to hit all these buttons when I say go. So there's that. And of course, oh, cool. Here we are. We're good to go. Now for the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. So Tyler Lockett asks, why does healthy food cost more than unhealthy food? Huh, that's a really good question, isn't it? And the answer, as it is in so many parts of American life, is that it's because of our government. Our government literally pays farmers subsidies to grow bulk grains like wheat, rice, and corn. And when you subsidize something, the price of it goes down and you get a lot more of it. And that's a problem because corn, wheat, and rice are often processed into unhealthy junk food. So partially as a result of these subsidies, those junk foods are the cheapest, most abundant foods in your store. But imagine how things would change if our government subsidized healthy fruits and vegetables instead and a salad were cheaper than a bag of Doritos. And this has been the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. It's so true. Uh, Freddie, you've been joking around on the episode about your weight, and uh, I'm currently trying to lose some weight that I gained starting my new career. And it, and I, I spent 18 years doing service work, so basically driving around from location to location all day, working on computers. And when you walk into a gas station and get gas, like 2% of the shit in there is even remotely semi-healthy and the rest all the all the cheap affordable stuff is just so bad for you and it's such a goddamn struggle just to to stay away from that shit and with your you know your family's history cattle ranch i'm sure they probably had neighbors who weren't cattle ranchers but who were farmers and kind of probably saw the early onset of the subsidies and all that shit right not honestly where i grew up just to be honest not a lot of farming because you you got Maybe you know you might be able to grow a small family garden. You maybe yeah. three months. Three months. Um, you go to the east. You know you go a little little farther east. You get into a little higher Mason. There were some soybean farmers and and, and you know and, and soybeans. At the, I remember in the eighties and nineties, soybeans was going to be the it of all it. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one time I was talking to one of them. And they were like, "Oh yeah," you know, I was like, "I ain't eating that shit. I want some. I want some dead cow." Yep. You know, <laughs> the whole thing. and he's like, here, taste this. And I'm like, oh man, chicken nuggets. He goes, no, that's all soybean. You know, they oh, that's like, tastes like ribs. It's like, mm-hmm. no, that's all soybean. Soy. And I was like, holy shit. It kind of opened my mind up to a different, different side of, of, uh, uh, uh you know, taste and stuff. But yeah. 
Well, Gordon and I were born and raised in northern Kentucky outside of Cincinnati, and that whole area was farmland when we were growing up. Oh, yeah. It was all tobacco for the most part. And now our cousin is a modern-day sharecropper. She actually went to school for forestry. She came back, and she had all the farms in her hometown were gone. They are just golf courses and million-dollar homes and just neighborhoods. She literally rents an acre of land. She farms it. She started out in a farmer market, but her produce is so damn sought after that now she is like the strict, she supplies all the bougie hipster restaurants in Cincinnati just off the acre of land that she was able to find and rent because all the farmland is just gone. It's yeah. just, it's all just dried up and gone. And some good soil there too. Well, Gordon. Yeah, I- well, you know, and we're, 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 and you want to bring that into a historical fact or into a, just a fact, just look at what, you know, at one point, U.S., you know, 60, 70 percent of the world's mm-hmm. farming came from the U.S. Yep. Now, now, because of subsidies and everything else and, and, and big, big business and factory, factory farming or in factory ranching and factory, mm-hmm. everything else, it, um, you know, look what happened in Ukraine. We're going, oh, shit, that old school, the big ass fucking fields and all that stuff. We don't do that. No, more. nope. Yeah. Although you have to say it was nice seeing the tractors dragging the Russian tanks along. Well, yeah, but 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 I mean, if you look at it, we need to get back to some of that old shit. One hundred percent. You're absolutely right. I mean, we have some of the most. You're talking about Kentucky. I, I was born in Indiana, but um, all that you go even all the way into to Illinois. I mean, mm-hmm. that ground is you 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 know what dark I mean. Dark earth, dark yeah. good earth. You could grow any. Even I can grow some shit in there, and I, I'll I'll kill a flower in a second. You know, you're talking about how we were like sixty percent of the provider for the world. A lot of people don't realize in World War II, we brought German prisoners back here to farm, to yeah. help farm on government-ran farms. I mean, they were basically they weren't really forced labor because they're happy to be here because we treated them the hell of a lot better than the Weimar Republic did. But and that's why there a lot of these towns in like mid United States have a lot of German. Um, historical cities because after the war they basically well we're not going to spend the money to ship you guys back to the fatherland so yep. here's your papers well, even all the way out to California where you have places like Sylvain where you have it's a full Dutch from World War II all the Dutch were brought here yep. that, mm-hmm. you know, from World War II and the whole Sylvain now is it's a big Dutch city it's a Dutch town it's a beautiful place you know and, and it, 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 if you really stop and think about it for a second our government pays farmers not to the farm burn their fields yeah. to not produce. What the? F- excuse my language. <laughs> you know what I mean? None of yeah, that's it's insane. Sense. It's it's like just as soon as government gets involved in anything, it gets all fucked up. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. Gordon, you know, that's why you know military. Every military operation has gone to shit is because the government got involved in it. It's like, they're getting their dick beaters in there. and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's why Vietnam turned out the way it did. But I think yeah. uh, we're going to wrap it up. There's no real need to go into the news. I think you would agree, Gordon. I think uh, uh, absolutely. now's a good time. Freddie, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything you want to put out there? No, um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch all the movies, baby. Burden of Freedom. We're going to make that soon. That's going to be a good, 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 good show. Uh, um, and just whatever. I don't even know what I'm working on half the time. Just look me up and go watch it. Does it seem like more projects are coming your way now that there's so many content creators for all these streaming services? Um, it, it, It's like a roller coaster. You know, it, it, it started, oh, my phone's ringing. I'm getting emails. I'm getting scripts sent to me. And then now, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we don't know what the finances are. Oh, we don't know what's going on. Like I was 
I think the last time I was t- talking to you, I was supposed to go to Vegas and work on a, on a movie. And that literally, because that money was coming from Switzerland, and that money pulled out quick. It well, was yeah. like, oh, shit, no, we don't know what the hell we're doing. Well, I heard on so, one uh, podcast, a producer saying one of the problems they're having now is they've got so many people with so many projects and so many streaming services that some of the big guys like Netflix will literally rent out a soundstage and keep it empty just to prevent someone else from creating projects on it. Well, Netflix basically took all over all the sound stages, like in in New Mexico and Albuquerque. Oh so, wow! That's where you know Albuquerque was the place we're gonna go there. But Netflix put their central fucking operation there, and it's hard to film. And, in, and I know. hear they just canned a lot of their production too because of because um, yeah. well, they're losing wokeism. viewers <laughs> from wokeism. Well, not only that, but I was talking to Carrie about this because she's getting frustrated about how most of the new content on Netflix is foreign to shows. And she's like, well, what's going on? I said, well, you got to understand, for the longest time, Netflix was the game. They were the only competition in town. So you had all these production companies more than happy to lease them their their content. Now Paramount Mm -hmm. has their own streaming service, Disney Disney. Universal. And so why would you lease your content to somebody else for half the money when you could put on your own service for all the money? And so Netflix doesn't have the access to the content that they used to right. because they're no longer the only game in town. Yeah, and one of the problems that they had was Netflix was able to lease all those content and they could and then go ahead they could do their politically correct bullshit. No no yep. offense to anybody, but they can do the politically stuff that, you know, uh, uh, eighth of eighth of an uh, eighth of one percent of people that want to watch it. So they would do that and they would spend their money doing that. But now that Disney and everybody else is pulling out, all they have is that left and everybody's like, well, I don't watch that shit. I want to watch you know, uh, all the Marvel shit, or I want to watch, you know, you know, be still, I mean, you, you, when you have shows like, like the Ozarks and stuff like that, you, you're going to, I think that's Netflix, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, those shows are, are going to keep, keep the loyal fans there. Well, they just killed um, that one. They're, yeah, Netflix yeah. Netflix is also the, the company that really started the whole four season format. They think no one has the attention span to go longer than four seasons. Exactly. I guess before well, we go, we'd be remiss because it is the talk of the town. Do you know anybody who worked on Top Gun, or could you? Do, uh, how do you um, think that went? Yeah, Imagine yeah, being I a coordinator do. on that. Uh, it'd be fucking, there, there, there's multiple coordinators on it. I'm sure because you have area. I did, right before I came on this, I watched Taco uh, 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 Taco Bell. Yep. Uh, with, I watched his Facebook Live. He was on with all the original Top Gun, the pilots and stuff that did this, like um, um, Hollywood and all those guys, the actual mm-hmm. real pilots. And I was watching it. It's very interesting. Um, uh, I, I, I know uh, I know quite a few people that worked on that show, and and, the, and they all, you know, they they love the experience and you know, they love being a part of that historical. You know, Top Gun was big to me because my recruiter. I, I grew up in a town that didn't have a movie theater, and my recruiter on my way to Map Station took me to Top Gun right before I went to death. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I, like, I should have joined the fucking Navy. <laughs> yeah, it was just amazing to me. And then all of a sudden I went over and died. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that movie's blowing up and making a shit ton of money because apparently the family is suing Paramount. Have you heard about this before we mm-hmm. wrap up the show? Paramount is sued over Top Gun copyright as Maverick source of the box office high, published on uh, yesterday on D-Day. A uh, family of the author whose article inspired the 1986 movie Top Gun, which starred Tom Cruise, is suing Paramount Pictures for copyright infringement. The lawsuit seeks unspecified damages, including some profits from the uh, Cruise sequel, Top Gun Maverick, 
and to block the studio from distributing the movie and other sequels. And you say, well, what's his case? Well, it turns out he, he has a little bit of a case, but they're making so much movie money, it won't matter. Maverick has generated uh, more than $546 million globally since its release date last month, according to data from Comscore. The family is stating that the studio failed to reacquire rights to the 1983 article, Top Gun. The studio claims that they, they sent notices to Paramount all the way back in January 2018 that they would need to uh, reclaim their copyright. And then of January 2020, it expired. And so um, they're claiming Yeah, that, they started filming in 2019, so I think it, that was almost a victim of the pandemic. According to the complaint filed yeah, Los was. Angeles Federal Court, Maverick started shooting in 2018. Um, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, reclaim the copyrights and okay, they would reclaim the copyrights in 2020. However, the family also alleges that Maverick did not finish production in 2019 prior to the transfer of the copyright, but rather in May of 2021. So they didn't have it all buckled up and suited up. Oh yeah, they came back and did reshoots. Yep, and so uh, Maver- yep. Maverick it was, was originally an- supposed to be released in like May 2019. Of yeah, it says uh, Maverick was. Uh, originally slated to release in 2019, but was delayed until the following year. It was then postponed multiple times due to the coronavirus pandemic. It is unclear when Paramount officially finished the film, but that timeline will likely be important as the copyright lawsuit plays out. But they've made so much fucking money off of it. That fucking be... Chinese that fucked even our movies up. <laughs> <laughs> they destroyed Red Dawn Part 2. Did you work on Red Dawn? Part 2, the new Red Dawn? No, no, it's funny. Uh, a guy I fired, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, he was a former Marine, and I fired the shit out of him. I was just like, everybody's, oh, oh, my God, you know, he's like the new upcoming guy. And he went at literally like a month after I fired him, he went and tech advised Red Dawn. And then uh, the stunt team had some uh, – former Marines and a couple Navy SEAL guys on the stunt team. And they found out that he was full of shit and they fired him off that. So that that's was so funny. So Not only did Freddie Joe fire him, he fired the shit out of him. Oh, I fucking fired him. When that's I fire awesome. somebody, it's, it's fucking famous. Cause oh, that's I, you know, awesome. I, I don't give a fuck who hears it. You're an idiot. You're going to get fired. Now, Freddie Joe saying he's watching Taco Bell. That would be Tall Tales with Mitch Taco Bell. We've also had yep. him on an episode and, and, of the and, and, What's you know, the Scuttlebutt podcast. I learned something tonight that was like a really cool story. You're out like, the, remember the whole thing where he flew upside down and flipped him off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not how it happened. They, they, he actually, the, the guy, the guy who flew upside down, the guy. His Weren't they Blue Holly. Angels or Thunderbirds pilots for the original one? No, no, no. They, he was Navy. Oh, okay. F fourteen, and he flew upside down. It might have been. I don't know. Fucking, I you're don't talking know. about on the original or the new one? No, I'm talking about the original. Okay. Yep. Um, the, I'm, Taco had the uh, the sure. actual guys. I got who you. Did it. And he and his call sign was Hollywood, and he flew mm-hmm. upside down, and then his navigator and everything was taking the pictures, taking mm-hmm. pictures all about things, and and uh, they were S fives they called them or something like that. They like freaked out, and then his wingman actually flipped off the guy in, in the and so in top gun they put both those stories together he flew upside down and flipped him off into the picture but <laughs> that, that actually up. that bumped me a little i was watching a little bit of the original yesterday and then i remembered back to when i was a child watching i was like that's a they're calling that a mig 27 that's a t-38 trainer <laughs> exactly well yeah exactly that was an air force trainer <laughs> yeah it, it, no it's supposed to be a mig 23 right and, yeah and, something and, like that <laughs> 
in real life, it was a MiG, like a MiG-23 or something. But uh, he said it was MiG-23 and something else. I was listening to the thing, and it was, like, really interesting. He was like, oh, you know, they just kind of put the two stories together and made it like, oh, I flew upside down, took a picture, flipping them off. He goes, no, he goes, I was upside down. But, but the, the and then they were explaining that the, the uh, F-14 could only fly upside down because they had the external tanks. They could only fly upside down for, like, 20, 20, 20 or 30 seconds. Sure. Yeah, so they'll either lose fuel upside. or... Fuel or yeah. oil pressure, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 I guess there's a sub-tank inside that tank, and once that runs out, they're done. That's it. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's I, a it brick. Was kind of a, it, was a, it was a good little uh, Facebook Live he had. He did a really good job tonight. I was kind of, it was kind of interesting. I was like, holy shit, it's kind of cool. Well, we're and, gonna... and, and it was funny to watch them all argue, no, you didn't do that. That was fucking <laughs> Sandman. That was, I was like, oh, this is awesome. It's like a bunch of jarheads sitting around. <laughs> well, we want to thank Freddie Joe Farnsworth for coming on the Absolutely. What's in Your Head podcast. This episode of the What's in Your Head podcast is brought to you by no one. That's right. After I closed down my business, we lost our primary sponsor. So if you're interested in sponsoring and maybe having the studio named after you, please email us at info d-410.com. And if you want to support the show, please head over to patreon.com or simply d-410.com or what's in your head.com. Click on the Patreon link and sign up. It's only a dollar a month. If you kind of like us, if you sort of like us, you can sign up for the $3.50 a month plan. And if you're like Winnie Cooper and you like us, like us, and you, got, you want the long arms, deep pocket plan, sign up for $7.50 a month, and you'll get yourself a free T-shirt after week two. I'm sorry, month two. And if you don't want to do any of all that, that's fine. I understand. Money's tight. Times are hard. Why waste it on our asses? All you have to do is simply suggest this to a friend. Find a like-minded person. Say, hey, check out this podcast. I know everybody and their grandmother has a podcast, but here's another one, too, because that's Gordon and I say podcasts are like rock bands in the 80s. Everybody had one. But until next week, thank you all, and we will talk to you soon. This has been a Digital 410 production.